there's so much about this movie you can preface with because you know this movie is called Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> you still listening? This is our final transmission. Welcome to Final Transmission, where this week we discuss Cannibal Holocaust. My name's Sam Russo, and with me as always is... Jamie Carruthers. This movie... Yeah? Not, not fun. No? Really. Not much of a romp. Um, <laughs> One would argue that there is some romping. Yeah, there's definitely romping of sorts. Uh, trigger warning, everybody. We're talking about uh, cannibalism, no surprise. Um, there's also going to be a lot of, uh, I mean, unavoidably talk of rape, yeah. all kinds of dismemberment, uh, lots of animal abuse. So, you know, if you're feeling in any way queasy or like any of that kind of stuff upsets you, maybe just fucking go to bed, <laughs> call it a day. Cause this is a rough hang. If any of that's an issue for you, I would recommend the Vipco house of, Ho- uh, house of horrors DVD release from 2001, where it's all cut out. Oh, really? There's a version with everything well, cut out. Well, not everything, but there's no, there's no turtle death. Oh, there's no. Okay. You don't see the pig get shot. The rape scene is cut down to enough that you get the gist. You still see the snake and the spider get cut in half because you know, fuck creepy crawlies. Yep. And then the last sort of ten minute section is maybe only eight minutes, so it's a little bit tamer as well. So if 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 you're of a weaker disposition, go watch that version. If you are too legit to quit, then go uncut. Did you go uncut? <laughs> yeah, I didn't have a fucking choice, dude. I just watch whatever I end up with. And I think I very much, very much got an uncut version. Everything you mentioned was present and correct during the Russo viewing of this particular uh, morsel. So I watched the cut version this time oh. because I wanted to see how much it affects the flow of the movie. Sure. Uh, and you'll be shocked to learn that it does not. <laughs> you don't need to see a turtle get killed. Turns no, out. Dude. Turns out. Not at all. Um, I mean, that's you really taking one for the team there, because I know how much you love everything that was cut from this movie, I imagine. The whole time I'm watching this, I'm thinking, this is a treat for Jamie. Holy shit. I guess that's why they call it Phantom Power. Oof, I thought we'd never get a break. How you doing? Not too bad. How about you? Good. Just hanging out listening to this new Bull Weevils record. First one since 1995. How's that for a stoker? Nice. How does it sound? It sounds amazing. It's called Essential. It's out on Red Scare Industries. And uh, I would say their best record since 1995. Nice. It's an absolute banger. Get your hands on it now. And you said it's out on Red Scare Industries. It is out on Red Scare Industries, yeah. That's uh, one more time. Red Scare Industries is the label. Nice. I heard that they're celebrating 20 years of being a label next year. 20 years next year, yeah. I bet it's uh, flown by for everyone except the bands. Do you think we've had enough of a break and we should probably talk about some films again? Yeah, let's get down this slip and slide and see what's waiting for us at the end. So, so you'd never seen Cannibal Holocaust before? I had, actually. Oh, you had? Yeah, you'll be astonished to learn. Uh, As soon as I started watching it, I realized that I had seen it before and it brought back a flood of memories. So I saw this on VHS 
at my friend Tom Durley's house. Shout out Tom Durley. He, my friend Billy and I watched Cannibal Holocaust. Uh, We had two VHSs. One was Evil Dead and one was Cannibal Holocaust. And we had a choice between the two. I was outvoted. Cannibal Holocaust went in the VHS player. And then you never watched Evil Dead ever again. I did. I watched it as soon as humanly possible (laughs) because I thought it looked amazing. I must have been 15, 16. And I, I don't remember enjoying the first time around. I remember just not really getting it and just thinking it was pretty sensational you know kind of offensive and graphic for the sake of it and just not having a blast because i thought it was like beers in a movie and what i got was torture porn and (laughs) maybe like one french brasserie stubby from audi that was warm so i was let down on all fronts uh i didn't vividly remember much of the movie so revisiting it now with a whole different uh mindset and all the beers i could uh drive in meat was was you know a big change of pace what about you what were your early memories of this movie was it given to you in the crib (laughs) at what point did you watch this no so i think i watched this i think i was maybe 13 okay my my friends Stuart and simon they were brothers Mm -hmm. their dad had a huge bootleg vhs collection so I, i saw most of the horror films that i definitely shouldn't have been watching through that and i think i took faces of death cannibal holocaust and oh, what was the other one? I want to say it was it was something it was something that was also horrible. Maybe it was necromantic. Not appropriate viewing for a thirteen-year-old. <laughs> a thirteen-year-old, not, not even you at thirteen. Yeah, it was it was a good time, and I watched them like with the sound really low after my right after I was supposed to be asleep in bed with my, my little fucking combo TV video player in my bedroom. Yep. I just had. A very conflicted time. I, I think I approached it similar to you because the other films that I'd watched at Stuart and Simon's was like Nightmare on Elm Street, The Evil Deads, yeah. like the, the the fun movies. And so sure. I was like, hey, these are all fun and cool. Let's go have a fun and cool time. Oh my God, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I went in thinking, you know, I didn't think I was in, in for like Toxic Avenger style hijinks. But I, I did not think it was going to be the movie that it was. I knew it was a band movie and it was in the it was the old black VHS cover with like the dripping blood and it had Cannibal Holocaust, the movie they didn't want you to see and all that kind of stuff. So the hype was pretty massive. Yeah. And I remember the pictures on the back are all the pictures that you associate with the movie, the stills that they obviously drummed up a lot of hype with. And somehow I just still was pretty astonished at how graphic and, and hard hitting it was. And I definitely remember it was it was a first for me in a lot of horror well, in a lot of movie tropes in general, it was a first for me seeing, you know, probably seeing full frontal nudity in an actual movie, you know, that isn't, yeah. well, I mean, in a lot of ways, this is kind of pornographic, but like, there isn't a porn movie. And I think it was you know, definitely the first time I'd seen any kind of like graphic depiction of rape or, you know, all the kind of stuff that's really hard hitting in this movie was firsts for me. And yeah, I definitely remember walking away from that experience thinking, I don't know if I enjoyed that i don't know if i should have enjoyed it i remember Durley really enjoyed it tom Durley loved this movie mm. and um billy you know speaks very highly of it to this day i think i walked away a little bit more conflicted than them <laughs> and it's been a journey for me to get to the point where i can appreciate this movie i think so how do you feel about it now fucked up still yeah. <laughs> i watching it was a totally unpleasant experience almost front to back but you know i i my brain has grown a little bit my understanding of you know why movies like this get made is is deeper and i appreciate the art the artistry 
the execution and the 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 bravery of the movie i think um it does some fucking crazy shit that for the time you are just not thinking is is in the world you know i mean this movie doesn't have any right existing in the time period it does it's way ahead of its time i think yeah or or just out of time completely like it you know it does some stuff that's completely fucking bonkers there's a lot of talk these days about like oh you couldn't make blank these days yeah sure and like a lot of it like you could yeah but like you couldn't make kind of a holocaust now maybe somebody could but nobody would watch it it wouldn't have an audience that's what is meant by that i think like you could make it (laughs) we could make it but it wouldn't have a fucking audience um and there's a good reason for that i don't think uh by and large people really enjoy watching movies like this i think it's more that these movies are kind of necessary yeah in a way there's there's a, a polarizing argument around this movie in every respect but the main argument to me that i found seems to be this is total trash it shouldn't exist it's just gratuitous bullshit and the other end is this is a really fucking brave nuanced social commentary masterpiece and there's a lot in between and the in between is kind of where i live i like yeah. aspects of both of those arguments and i think aspects of both of those arguments are what make this movie truly great yeah i say it um yeah i mean not a pleasant thing to watch i don't think from front to back but you walk away from it feeling fairly satisfied that you've you know you've you've made it to the end and you've you've walked away with this kind of accumulated experience of genuine horror real terror and serious fucking uh unease i think it does a lot of things really fucking well yeah. uh, even if those things are terrible <laughs> yeah i think like the, the the gore effects are i would say unsurpassed like, in terms of their realism, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean that there's a, there's a scene very near the start where what looks like a human forearm and hand is being eaten, yeah, and it looks like raw chicken, which is exactly what I think you know that part of your arm, if it's being eaten, is going to look like. You know, so so we know that that Ruggiero Diodato went to South America and filmed real cannibal tribes, yeah. Cast them as the as the savages, yeah. Big scarecrows there, yeah. In the movie, I think I think that's a real skeletal arm. I think every skull that you see is a real skull. Fucked. Yeah, I think so much of it is is real. I think that's one of the the, the really magical things that this film does is it really blends reality with fiction in a way mm. that is designed to obfuscate and confuse you. Yes. Like, I think the bones that you see are real bones because they just had them lying around because they were literally cannibals. Yeah, dude, that arm looks really real now that you mention it. Yeah. Like, obviously, the the killing that happens in the Green Inferno scene towards the end, that's not real, obviously. The woman Mm -hmm. on the stick, not real. The Mm -hmm. Cambodian stuff that that, that we're told is not real is real. That's real, yeah. Like... So it's really meant to like fuck with your head as to, as to what's real and what's not. And that's why, presumably, it feels so real to this day and why, obviously, Diodato got taken to court on murder charges. <laughs> Charge of murder. <laughs> it's, it's insane. I mean, listen, if you're listening to this, you know a little bit about Cannibal Holocaust, we have to assume. Yeah. So we can just kind of leap in the middle and explode this outwards because the movie is everything you just said and more. Uh, if that if those bones are real, I'm I'm astonished at the the next level filmmaking. I just assumed that was some incredible gore effects. I mean, I I could be I could be wrong. 
no but I, i'm leaning into it jamie yeah. like you're an authority on this kind of stuff and i think we should move forward with the operating understanding that those are real bones maybe just stuffed with raw meat here and there yeah which is completely bananas like and anytime we talk about the the tribal performers in this movie we're gonna you know i'm gonna feel uncomfortable basically because i don't feel comfortable characterizing an entire group of people that i don't fully understand historically uh and from a you know like a sociological point of view calling them a cannibal tribe feels a bit reductive yeah they're definitely tribes people who by all accounts engage in cannibalism so i don't I'm not going to pretend that I'm politically correct enough to know how to refer to uh, everyone in this movie correctly. So, yeah. So it, it's it's worth saying that they they are a, they, they were a tribe that engaged in cannibalism, but it, yeah. it wasn't like they just ate anyone that wandered through their village or whatever. Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, it was like a revenge thing, like a power thing over like the other tribes that they that they would sort of fight with on a regular basis and and war with, um, and it was because. There wasn't that much meat around, yeah. So it was. It wasn't I'll like they love eating human flesh, or maybe yeah. they, maybe it wasn't to start with. Who knows? Yeah. I am not an anthropologist. I am communications officer. I don't know. They weren't in a Bugs Bunny cartoon with a big bone through their nose, like yeah. And they were only like a hundred meters away from civilization, in, right. in air quotes. But they lived as if they were thousands and thousands of miles away from anywhere. So Letitia. Uh, which is like the nearest town to where this was shot. A pretty vibrant place at the time. It was uh, pretty gentrified as much as something in South America could, could be in the sure. in the 70s. There's a lot of drug running that went through there. I think there's a lot of drug mm-hmm. money that contributed to the making of this film. I watched a documentary by Callum Waddell a few months ago called Searching for Cannibal Holocaust, where he sort of de- he delves into like the, the making of it in a bit more detail than um than some of the the other articles that you might have read or that are out there sure. um and he goes to Letitia he interviews some of the tribes people that were that were in the movie wow it's it's a really good documentary I'd really recommend it they do a lot of talking about the uh, the piranha scene that that may or may not exist the piranha scene that never was yeah and there's they found they find some stills of that so it definitely was shot yeah it's a crime that we don't get to see piranhas eat someone's leg in this movie. <laughs> Am I right in thinking that's just because they couldn't film underwater and they didn't think it was uh, arresting enough what they had? Like the the above surface shots just weren't quite there. I mean, it's we 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 don't know. I think that's one of the one of the the mythology stories around it. Mm. Ruggiero Dardato flat out refuses to admit that they shot anything. Mm. He says that they didn't Weird. shoot it. It was in the script, but the effect wouldn't work, so we didn't bother shooting it. Hmm. And he died last year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Took that to his grave. Yeah. Took those piranhas to his grave. Yeah. I mean, I, I find I find this aspect of this movie fascinating because it's not something that I was aware of when I watched it as a child, you know, literally as a teenager. And then as an adult, you're looking at it through this, this lens of, you know, pretty severe exploitation at one end, um, hyper-realism at the other. And you're trying to kind of marry the two and decide where you stand almost the whole way through the movie. So... You're, you're right. The sense of confusion and the sense of moral conflict the whole time you're watching is rough. It's like you, you can't figure out where to land on almost every single issue in this movie as you're watching it. You're entertained in this hyper-morbid, desperately uncomfortable way. 
And by the time you reach even, I don't know, the 20 minute mark, potentially, you, you're exhausted. Yeah, this film, <laughs> this film doesn't waste any time. Like you, no. Just, we're straight into the, we're straight into the jungle. We're straight yeah. into natives getting their faces shot off. You sort of get a little breather in the middle when we start the documentary. But then yeah. as soon as that start, that hits a point, it just grows and grows and grows and crescendos and crescendos in, a, in the most horrible way. Yeah, it's such a false lull in yeah. the middle there, isn't it? You think, fuck, okay, so we're in a city now. We're back. There's going to be like a lot of boardroom stuff and everyone's going to be chilling and talking. And then wham, we're fucking straight back in there. And it's twice as brutal as it was when we left. Yeah. You know, conceptually, I find the idea of, quote unquote, the jungle really scary. And I always have. Like, I find the environment of the jungle absolutely terrifying. You know, there was a, there was a, a hot minute of jungle movies, you know, when we were kids, especially movies like Predator. I think really hammer home that jungle angle for me. Anything that was kind of even loosely based on the Vietnam War or any kind of jungle warfare stuff I found horrifying growing up, still find it all really unnerving. Yeah. There's a great uh, solo RPG that I like to play called Hot Jungle, and it's absolutely terrifying and draws on all of these tropes. So as soon as we're put in that jungle and they're using phrases like the green inferno, I'm immediately like, fuck, Jesus Christ. Like, I want to back out of this immediately. So, you know, that opening scene and the opening title with this beautiful, mellow, poppy orchestral music playing and the words cannibal holocaust in huge letters <laughs> on the screen. Holy unnerving. I love that. <laughs> I love it so much. I love that juxtaposition of Rizzo Talani's score against. Yep. you got these sort of fairly shonky plane shots or helicopter shots of like green pastures and jungle and stuff. And yep. it's just so, so at odds with itself. Yeah, and it's it's like the only piece that you really get in the whole film. Yeah, and I, I love that that music keeps coming back in like with the most horrible places. Massive, and it absolutely just adds to the confusion just more and more that you're just like listening to this really lovely music while yep. people are just doing the worst things you could think of, <laughs> doing horrible naughty things. Well, you're right; these like idyllic helicopter scenes. Uh, you know, we're seeing the river winding. We're seeing all this lush, verdant forest, a basically untouched wild landscape. With re- I've written in my notes, I've just written, "I'm chill, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm okay." I was giggling at how frightened I was of what was coming next because I knew what I was being teed up for. You know, yeah. Then we get that great opening, not opening, but we get the first like real sort of narrative-driven shot where you've got the giant Dracula billboard. We get some of the most cheese-dick dialogue I've ever heard in my entire life. Things like, there's only one thing that scares me, and that's marriage. Uh, (laughs) We get some great dialogue early on. That's so weird as well, because I think that the performances in this film are pretty fucking good. Okay, but what uh, what kind of good are we talking here? Like, good, good. Once you get over that sort of first scene... Once people are in the jungle, I think that they're, I think all the performances are, are, are amazing. Okay. I think, I don't know, you don't get accused of murder if your performances are bad. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, by that measure, for it to be convincing enough that a guy actually got taken to court. Yeah, literally. There like, has to be a, a level of uh, realism to the performance. The performances in the, the footage are better than, the, than mm. the performances in the film. Sure, I think I agree there, yeah. But I think that they're pretty good, and I think... When your main guy doesn't have an awful lot to to interact with, he's yeah. much better than when he's having boardroom conversations. Do you know what I mean? Do you, do you think that was... I mean, I'm not saying it is, but let's explore this a bit. Do you think that's a deliberate choice? That the movie, at the start, we're watching a movie, 
is maybe not quite acted as convincingly and there are some pretty choice lines of dialogue in there for that to be one way and then for the latter part of the movie that is supposed to be real documentary footage to be that much more convincingly visceral and human do you think there's a is there a comment on hollywood are we being led somewhere with that is that deliberate or do you think it's just not the best acting at the start pretty amazingly realistic acting at the end i've read a lot of interviews with diodato about this about mm. cannibal holocaust and he's never mentioned that mm. and i he think should it's a great theory yeah well <laughs> he can't know there are there are, yeah. there are bugs on his skull wherever he is probably yep, he is dead bugs crawling on his skull much like Every single skull. Why is there always a bug on a skull? There's always a bug in, on, or around a skull. Yeah. They love it. I don't know. If you're a bug, where are you going first? I'm going to the nearest eyeball. Yeah, I think... I heard that in London, your skull is never more than two feet from a bug. (laughs) Two feet from a bug. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and, you know, I think um, right now, there's many parts of my anatomy that are no more than two feet away from a bug of some kind. Yeah, okay, so we get some pretty loosey-goosey dialogue there in the beginning. We get these radical pivot cuts to uh, tribes people eating the aforementioned fleshy arms, limbs, etc. Uh, they're gunned down by army types, guys in pretty unconvincing short sleeve army fatigues. We get another great, great line of dialogue. I know this is not going to be a picnic, which I thought was pretty good. Yeah. The title alone tells you there's going to be some some picnicking of sorts. There's there's a slow build of truly ominous vibes around the quote unquote tree people where we hear lots of people saying no white man has ever seen the tree people. And we start to think, oh, fuck, Jesus Christ, it's not the tree people. Like, these other guys are bad enough. What are the tree people like? You know, we're treated to a lot of shots of monkeys. Uh, a muskrat gets eaten. Yeah. A native is captured, forced to do coke off a knife, and then eats the muskrat's stomach. We're in pretty grim territory straight away. Yeah. We're probably like seven minutes in, max. And all of that's already happened. How do you feel watching this? Even from the very start, you feel like this is a film that you're not supposed to be watching. Yeah, it feels prohibited. It feels so forbidden. Yeah. And I think that's part of the amazing charm of Cannibal Holocaust is that you feel like you are categorically not supposed to be watching this. <laughs> it is. I, I am 37 <laughs> years old and I was worried my mum was going to walk in. Yeah. It's that unflinching deep dive into... As many taboos as you can cram into a movie without it being, without it hampering the artistry, I think. That's what Italians do so well in horror, is just layer these taboos without, somehow, without it being too heavy-handed. You know, if I can say that about Cannibal Holocaust, I don't think it's too heavy-handed. Not in its taboos. No, not in its taboos. It's fucking with you from the very start. It just gets worse from here on out. It's not the most horrible and violent cannibal film. No. The most horrible and violent cannibal film from this period is probably Cannibal Ferox. Yep, Cannibal Ferox, I think, is absolutely unwatchable. <laughs> but like this feels worse because it feels so much more real. It's just so much better. It's made well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I wrestled with that. I didn't know if this was a well-made movie when I you know, turned it off at the end of the credits and went and cried silently in my kitchen. I, I thought to myself, like... What would I want to see done differently to make it a better movie? And as usual, I didn't come up with a lot because it's made exactly the way it's meant to be. It's a statement of intent. It's fully executed without pulling back for even a second. And it's absolutely brutal. No, it it really is. And it's it's so unflinching. And so I think it's just incredible. I think it's an incredible feat of cinema. It does not wash its hands. 
at any point. Certainly doesn't. One of one of the most uncomfortable moments in this film, I think, is the ritualistic punishment for adultery, which comes, I can't remember, maybe around the halfway mark, maybe yeah. quite a bit before the halfway mark. But our guy who has gone into the jungle to uh, track down three lost um, documentary filmmakers uh, is treated to seeing this ritual, yeah. which is, again, just, you know, brutal to watch. It's really long as well. It's a long yeah. scene. They're all long scenes, um, though, aren't they? Lots of angles. They are, yeah. There's a lot of holding in this. It's not a, a, a you know, cut, cut, cut type movie. It, everything feels like it goes on a minute or three longer than it needs to. Which is a really long time in terms of watching something uncomfortable, isn't it? A minute yeah. is a long time to watch something like this. It, yeah, it's it's full on and it's, you know, it's borderline painful to watch. And, you know, you are kind of left like, okay, why why did that just happen in this movie? And what purpose does it serve? And I really think you're told pretty quickly that that is setting the tone for the level of brutality you're about to experience for the next hour. Yeah, and it's also like setting up the the punishment for, for rape because they obviously they kill the woman that they rape. Yeah. The tribes people, the Yabo Mamos, kill the the woman that the uh the documentary crew rape mm-hmm. and then they go after them yeah as 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 you would yeah it's almost like this is a rape revenge film in the end yeah i mean there's it's a, a tight amount of time for that particular uh plot line if you can call it that to unfold at the end but it happens pretty quick sticks yeah and there again you know i feel like this is actually quite important to the plot like you said but it's a it's a big mission statement in terms of yeah I hope you're comfortable because <laughs> this yeah. is just gonna keep coming. Yeah. Was there anything around that that you found? Uh, I mean that that scene kind of speaks for itself. If you've seen it, you know. If you haven't, you will. But was there anything around that that struck you? Like that? There's a scene where they're drinking, that they're invited to the sort of tribal supper around the fire, and the the white guys are asked slash forced to drink this like regurgitated white paste in what looks like a coconut husk yeah i had to pause the movie there and just take a deep breath because <laughs> i thought that was just awful i find that stuff so hard to i've see. seen you drink worse that's true in real life i've definitely done <laughs> and drank worse than a couple of things that happened in cannibal holocaust but there's just something about drinking somebody else's non-specific regurgitated white fluid that made me feel a little bit retchy <laughs> is that bad yeah well i think Anytime that you see the the white characters interact with the the tribes people, mm. it's it feels uncomfortable. Yeah, in a way that is different, like a different kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, because because you know this film is called Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> You're always waiting <laughs> for the Holocaust to be committed by cannibals. So. So I, when you're when you're in those moments, you're like, oh shit, is this the Holocaust? Is the Holocaust about to happen? There's so much about this movie you can preface with because you know this movie is called Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we haven't actually talked about how incredible that title is. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Come on. Like, call your movie Cannibal Holocaust. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, it does exactly what it says on the tin. If you're going to dig deep into it, the big question is. Is it a holocaust of cannibals? Are the cannibals committing a holocaust? Like, where are we? Why are we there? So the cannibals kill three people. That we see, yeah. Well, yeah, obviously they kill more people than three people in in their existence because they are a warring 
tribe that live in the trees and and they do eat people as well it's part of their their mo yeah. is is three people a holocaust <laughs> no but is it a great title fuck yeah it's eye catching how many people is it that you need to do a holocaust i don't know but what i do know is that i once went to my friend smith's house wearing a megadeth t-shirt and when i walked through the door his dad went megadeth how many deaths is a megadeth and then he looked up a bit and then he went ah oh, yes a thousand deaths that's exactly what i thought <laughs> so cannibal megadeth would be a whole different movie yeah rest assured that's never gonna happen <laughs> Yeah, I just don't, I don't know how many holo- how many people need to die for it to be a holocaust. I don't know if it's quantity. Is it one banana, two banana, three banana, four, five bananas make a holocaust, and so do many more? Is that how the song goes? <laughs> is, that, is that a song you were taught as a child? It's the theme tune to the to the banana splits, the holocaust banana holocaust, splits. the the yeah. sequel to Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> one thing I found really uncomfortable in the interaction between the white characters and the native characters in this movie is any time that the guide was present, who I believe is uh, Salvatore Basile. Yep. Playing Chaco. Yeah, yeah. Um, because his interpretation of everything that the native people do is really tawdry. I mean, he's just kind of very accepting of everything in a, a pretty open-minded way, but he's also, in his delivery of a lot of the lines, wildly like judgmental and superior. So he feels super nihilistic, like he's just kind of profiting off of Exactly what this movie's doing in a lot of ways, I guess, profiting off of, uh, you know, this kind of sordid native tourism of exposing these these people to the eyes of the white man and, and everything that comes with that. So I found I found him as kind of a conduit and a lens for the, the sort of the, the way the white people view the tribes people really uncomfortable. And obviously he's the one who instigates a lot of the real fucking crazy dick behavior, like, you know, forcing a native kid to do coke off a knife and then feeding yeah. him muskrat guts. Like, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's pretty wild. It's weird that they, they kill all the natives at the beginning, right? They just land there and they're like, oh, kill you. I didn't get that scene at all. Am I right in thinking they just land and kind of clear the area? Like, clear the LZ? They just yeah. kill any that are nearby? In a movie where it ends with cannibal revenge in the most gruesome way. Yeah, I guess it tees it up. Shoot, I, well, I, I feel like it's the opposite. I feel like the r- relationship between... Uh, Monroe and the tribes people mm. based on the fact that loads of them were just gunned down Yeah, should be a bit more difficult. It, it never quite sits right with me that he is kind of accepted as easily as he is. He plays a tape recorder of what we assume is a song of significance to the tribe. Yeah. And they, well, that's upon, a different upon, tribe. That's the, oh God, that's yeah, the, that's the Yamamamos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how does he ingratiate himself with the first tribe? I, can't I don't remember. really know. He just, he just sort of Hooks up, just, sits down. Yeah, he's just there. Yeah, some of that stuff was kind of tough to swallow. You know, if we're really going nitpicky on the plot, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't really make any sense. And a lot of people's motivations are quite vague. But, you know, in a hyper-realistic movie, we don't need that level of exposition. We're just sort of shown fucked up shit. And our take-home message is people are fucked up. Of course, they just gunned down a load of tribes people as soon as they landed in the in the jungle. Yeah. And I guess it adds to the mystique and the fact that we understand nothing about you know, the social structure of these tribes, people, their history in the area, their their rituals, their ways. Uh, we, we, we know nothing and we're not told anything really apart from tiny little tidbits throughout the movie that kind of heighten our level of unease. We're not told many positive things. We're not, <laughs> we're not told many like endearing qualities. 
it's mostly about eating people. Yeah. And there's a lot of the use of the word savage, savages, that kind of thing. So we, we know that we're being led to a point where this behavior is going to be addressed, where you can't, you know, you can't land in the jungle, blow away a bunch of native people, fuck with them endlessly, uh, torture, rape, and, you know, in some cases, eat them, and then, <laughs> and then just walk. So that's slowly building. Yeah, burn them as well. Don't forget they burn. burn of course, they yeah, shove them in a hut uh, and burn them. Uh, yeah, the brutality is is almost boundless, isn't it? Because I'd forgotten yeah. that scene even happened. Do you know what I mean? And I made pretty detailed notes, and I'd still forgotten <laughs> in all of the chaos that that had even happened. There's a pretty good line of dialogue about smoking weed. The guide guy is smoking a joint, and he says, "In the rain, he says uh, this will keep you high and dry." <laughs> so that was pretty good. I th- I think their stuff is so good. Like, it's so naturalistic. It's insane to me that, like, some of them just didn't act again, ever. And some of them went back to porn, where they started. Well, yeah, that's 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 fine, too. Yeah, that is, you know, no judgment from me whatsoever. Again, it just astounds me that, you know, this movie did nothing for anyone's career. It was so off-menu yeah. that nobody was like, oh, that guy from Cannibal Holocaust, let's fucking... Even for the novelty, do you know what I mean? Like, people will fucking... To just stand Stan Lee in a corner and pan past him while he scratches his dick, you know, for the novelty sake of it. People are always bringing in novel horror movie actors. It's kind of how Danny Trejo built a career, right? Like, yeah. But nobody did that with anyone from Cannibal Holocaust that I can see. Everyone's career just went away because it's so, I don't know, it's just such an isolating movie to watch. You don't see big communities of people rallying around Cannibal Holocaust. I know it's a cult classic. You know, and some people did have ongoing careers afterwards. I mean, like, the director, clearly. Yeah, I mean, you know, Arbala, uh, Robert Kerman, he, he had a pretty storied career afterwards. Mm. But in terms of actors and performers, not a lot, right? Not not beyond Kerman, who's Monroe. Okay, got you. And he was already a pretty established actor at the beginning. Mm. And I think I think that's the choice, which is weird because his performance is so different to the, the documentary performances. Sure. But like... It was like about casting a movie star and then casting people whose faces you've never seen before. Got you. Maybe blurring that line between reality and cinema, like like we talked about earlier. But I don't know if the performances did that or purposefully did that. Plays the tugboat captain in Spider Man. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Pretty hilarious. That's one degree of separation. Yeah, I I mean I, yeah, the, I mean the performances in this movie I think are polarizing because you know to some people it's just standard B movie trash. I think to other people it's a genuine and sincere attempt to straddle as close as you possibly can a real live naturalistic performance that's supposed to be documentary-esque in a in a fucking movie in the jungle do you know when you're in your bedroom as a 15 year old and you're listening to pig destroyer mm-hmm. and your mum walks in and she's like this is horrible noise but she doesn't really tell the difference between pig destroyer and cradle of filth yep and like or pig destroyer and bad religion Sure. Like there's there's no difference there. I think this is what people think of when they think of the horrible horror films that we watch. Okay. Like and Pig Destroyer is the horrible noise that people think of. Like that that level of like grind noise. Yeah, sure. Is is, is the same as any other thing. So people that don't really know the difference. And I think that people think this is what we like. Absolutely. This is what all trashy Italian horror films are like. And I mean they're not a million miles away. They're but, not far off, but they are wrong. So yeah. yeah, and to extend that metaphor a little bit, it's like when people say, "Oh, that's just shouting about an incredible shouted vocal performance." Mm. Yeah, it is just shouting, 
but it's fucking hard. Same with Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah, it's just Holocaust gore. Uh, Holocaust gore? Cannibal gore. <laughs> but it is really, really hard to pull pull this movie off, I think, is, is what... Yeah. By the end, you're just like, the experience I've just been through cannot be for naught. Like, there, yeah. there's, there's a, a movie-going, movie-watching experience to be had here. And no, it's not that fun for most people. Like, definitely not fun for me. I imagine you took a little bit more quote-unquote F-U-N from this than I did. There were a few laugh-out-loud moments. There were a few fucking hell, this is so uneasy, it's kind of fun moments. But there's no real, like, oh, this is where the rubber hits the road with the <laughs> the big laughs or the, you know, the, the gore for comedy's sake. There's there's not really any of that. It's, the music does a lot of the legwork there. I think juxtaposing that yeah, Jovio yeah, upbeat music. I hadn't seen that done a lot in movies, uh, you know, chronologically before this. And I think, you know, Romero borrowed that big time and some of the more icky scenes in day of the dead in particular gave me similar feelings to this movie Mm. again i don't have the world's broadest palette for comparison with this type of you know pig destroyer grind gore but there's echoes of that in some movies that i absolutely love and i you know i'd be astonished if you know day of the dead could feel as disgusting as it does without cannibal holocaust existing yeah i I wonder about that because obviously there's the, the big sort of genre or couple of genres that this um this is like the progenitor of progenitor of is like your actual torture porn so yeah. your your august undergrounds your your pinky violence japanese stuff your mm-hmm. guinea pig movies your movies where it's like this is so horrible and violent and realistic that charlie sheen is calling the fbi right <laughs> which is a uh, flower of flesh and blood which is a japanese uh, okay. pinky violence film Huge in Japan, right? This movie worth noting. Well, yeah, Allegedly. Japan is a fucked up place, right? Sure. I don't understand Japan. <laughs> That's, That's sound the end of the podcast. Bite. Sound bite. No, but I don't understand Japan because I don't know. It's it's so there are so many different Japans, right? That is a much more nuanced take. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, how is this right behind E.T. in terms of, like, consumption ratings in Japan for the year that it comes out? There's a big cultural difference there in a, you know, a nation that can go to the movies and be like, E.T. or Cannibal Holocaust? Fuck, that's a toughie. Let's <laughs> do a double I mean? bill. <laughs> yeah. Well, I bet a lot of people fucking did. You know, there's a level of bizarro, open-minded fanaticism to Japanese culture that I don't think we can ever fully understand. That's the magic and the beauty of it. Cannibal Holocaust maybe helps us understand it a little bit more. But you're right. What it what it's bred in terms of movies in, in a direct influence type way is maybe not the kind of stuff that I would love to sit and watch on a Saturday night with my buds. No. But I do think, you know, the viscera has kind of trickled through the rivulets in the jungle floor into some movies that I do really love. Yeah. Which is, you know, maybe setting a standard of griminess that people are able and willing to swallow. I think it gives it, it gives people a line and says, here's the here's all of the lines. Mm-hmm. So you can you can choose to cross some mm. and you can choose to stay on this side of, of others. But just know that the lines are there. The lines yeah. have been drawn by Bagara Dodato mm-hmm. in cannibal holocaust and that's all you need just knowing that the lines exist you know how you know how close you can get to the line yeah you know okay today i want to stay way on this side of the line or i'm on the side of the line that's going to be really controversial but i'm probably not going to get taken to court for murder (laughs) i'm just going to be like yeah the other side of that line (laughs) I, i i totally agree i think it goes so far 
it does kind of set an end-to-end precedent, which you have to fucking take your hat off to for, for a movie to do that, you know, in this time period. And obviously, like, the Italian movie market has always been just, like, you know, beyond European in its openness and its acceptance of a lot of stuff way before, yeah. you know, us and the US and, and, and other more repressed, censored nations. It's so it's so weird to me that, Ital- that, that Italy come out with films that I like because they are absolutely just a film factory. It's yeah. just churn, churn, churn. Mm. Like, Diodato made what four cannibal films in his career maybe five there are yeah. there are hundreds of italian cannibal films from this from this era and from from there or thereabouts mm. and it's like how does one of them just cut through i mean i would say five of them cut through yeah like you've got your what's it called man from east river you've got cannibal ferox mm-hmm. you've got eat alive that's it probably before so, mm. but like the the idea that that Italy is just churning films forever on on a theme, and it's always on a theme, and they have yeah. they cycle through things in a way that British cinema or any other cinema doesn't do. Mm. We'll sometimes get into sort of tropey things. Obviously, superheroes is a big thing. Forever, mm-hmm. no one quite sits on a genre and just churns it out like Italy did, yeah. and the idea that. There are films from that period that we still talk about, or there are films of, of that period that that are so influential that have basically formed an entire or formed the basis of of entire genres. Yeah, is 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 pretty incredible. I think it's it is a phenomenon, isn't it? It's it's very it's strange and it's interesting because it's it's almost like these movies are born of obsession, and yeah. it's an obsession that we censor kind of inherently if we feel ourselves getting carried away you know as you know part of our national character is not to get carried away it's to you know remain calm and it's to dial it back and it's to understate and you know really pull back from everything whereas in italian filmmaking (laughs) exactly keep calm and cannibal holocaust (laughs) i mean but that's what italy is outright rejecting in in its manufacture of these movies isn't it it's like right we've got this fucking idea cannibals let's go and then they don't stop until they have no more ideas about cannibals <laughs> and yeah. then they move on. And you're right, that is incredible. And it's it's kind of childlike. It's indulging that childlike influence to get obsessed with a certain thing, whether it's like a toy or a, a game or like something that you're into as a kid. You're obsessed with that singularly until you burn out on it and then you don't even like it anymore. You move on to the next thing. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty wonderful kind of indulgence that I don't think we get culturally in our, our movie making. We get it in a more contrived capitalist kind of way where we latch onto something that makes money and therefore we pump it to death but it doesn't come from that same place of uh, classic italian obsessive love it's it's a different thing a film that i want to compare this to and it and it definitely is a reason or it's definitely because of that obsession mm. is is Werner herzog's fitzcarraldo i haven't seen it so in Werner herzog's fitzcarraldo which is the mm. film that i watch every year on christmas Okay. It's my it's my Christmas tradition as I watch Fitzcarraldo and Burden of Dreams. Okay. It's a documentary about them making Fitzcarraldo uh, by Les Blank. Fitzcarraldo is it's a film about Klaus Kinski's character Fitzcarraldo buys a riverboat uh, and is trying to build an opera house in the jungle, in the Amazon jungle. Okay. Uh, so he gets a riverboat and he travels up a river, up the Amazon River with all the stuff to build an opera house 
on the back uh, and then has to like lug it all up a hill and eventually fails. Okay. And it's all about bringing opera to the savages, big air quotes there. Sure. But, but that's like the point of the film. Uh, and, and the reason that Cannibal Holocaust like reminds me of this or they, they share a lot of sort of similar DNA is because they basically really did that. Werner Herzog, they, they got a, a riverboat, they, they sailed it up the Amazon, they tried mm. to get all this material to build an opera house over this big hill and they came away with a film and in Cannibal Holocaust, obviously it's a film about Western people coming into the Amazon, exploiting them for a film. I mean, it's mm-hmm. literally what they were doing when they were making yeah. this film. And like, obviously, what Diodato is trying to do here is he's he's sort of skewering the the Mondo documentary format, mm-hmm. which was obviously quite big from the twenties to the sixties. They would go to these places and they would film these titillating things under the guise of anthropology sure. and release them in drive-ins or whatever. And people would go watch them, and they'd get I don't know their first hard on over watching someone give birth or watching a load of tribes people standing around with their tits out. Yeah. Like so, obviously, what what Diodo is trying to do here is he's trying to skewer that, but he does the, he does the exact same thing. He goes there, he exploits those natives. I feel like when you are so singular a vision like mm. Werner Herzog is, I don't know if I could ever compare in good conscience. Ruggiero Didato with <laughs> Werner Herzog. Herzog. <laughs> like, I think Werner Herzog is one of the most incredible filmmakers and the rest of Didato's filmography is a fucking wasteland. Let's not be <laughs> let's not mince words. Um like he's made a couple of movies that I like, but but yeah. like I don't know if he fluked his way into a cannibal holocaust. Sure. Or like they say that everyone's got one good novel in them. Maybe everyone's got one good holocaust in them. Maybe. Oh, my God. Oh, I snorted and picked my mic out. <laughs> but yeah, like, I don't know. Maybe the the filmmaking gods were were working through him or something. Something clicked that maybe yeah. didn't in his other bits. Yeah. A lot of obsessive creators have that, right? They make an enormous catalogue of art and one thing is an absolute ripper and everyone else everything else is either garbage or it's like you know has a very niche audience that latch onto it and yeah i think i i would characterize it as a kind of fervor in this movie like yes it's artfully cut and it's well paced it it kind of pains me to say that it's well paced because i did not get the pacing on first watch it took me laying in bed replaying it in my mind to realize yeah that was it did it played out exactly the way the guy that wrote it wanted it to yeah it's incredibly well paced. There was a couple of points when I was making notes where I was writing, I think I'm watching a mystery. I kept saying like, okay, well, they are looking for these documentarians in the jungle. That's a great premise for a mystery movie. Yeah. Yes, it's a horror. Yes, it's hard to watch. But at its core, I'm kind of watching a mystery. And that's what got me through it is I had to keep telling myself, ooh, a mystery, <laughs> just to keep me in it. There's a bit where one of these guys just gets naked uh, no, it's the it's the main dude. It's, yeah, it's um, Monroe. He gets naked in the river, and there's almost a moment of levity where he's horsing around with some native women who are just rubbing mud on his dick, and they're just <laughs> splashing around in the river and running around a little bit. And then I'm thinking, okay, so pacing-wise, this must be a moment of levity, perhaps, a light-hearted moment of bonding between our what we think is our protagonist and, you know, what ostensibly 
maybe our antagonists. We don't know at this point in the movie. We don't know who the enemy is. We don't know who we're supposed to be suspicious of. But I found that scene particularly striking because it obviously comes after this horrific ritualistic punishment for adultery that's shown in in broad daylight in bold technicolor actually i don't know if it's technicolor but you get what i mean uh and then in no time the same tribes people are pulling the innards out of a, a warrior they've captured and killed and dancing with them uh before eating eating the innards fresh out of the carcass and feeding our main guy what looks like the liver yeah. raw and steaming from from an open wound in that moment that sort of took me out of it because I was like, okay, they might be savages, but, you know, mm. E. coli exists even in the jungle, right? So Can you get E. coli from eating fresh human liver? I don't know. I would assume so. People do eat a lot of raw offal, don't they? They eat a lot of raw liver, a lot of raw kidneys. Human ones. Especially like bodybuilders. Yeah, well, I don't know about human ones. We don't know. Do we know what we're eating? It's all horse, right? It's all horse. Yeah, it could all be horse. But yeah, I mean, it's it's it is immediately gross. You know, we immediately think all kinds of, you know, culturally we're thinking about cleanliness and illness and food preparation standards and ratings of the restaurants that we like and things like that. And this guy is heaving steaming guts out of a human corpse and stuffing it in this guy's mouth. Uh, it's a bummer. He's like, fuck it, I'll eat it. He does eat it, yeah. He chows down. My my imagining is that that's animal awful, but still raw and still being shoved in the actor's actual mouth. So when he's chewing, you can Mm. see the food that he's chewing is cooked. Whatever that is in his mouth is horrendous when he's chewing. Yeah, it looks like, I don't know, really dry meat, probably pork. Something mealy, yeah. Totally, maybe. Possibly turtle. They ate the turtle. Yeah. Like, the, the killing of the turtle is something that would have been done anyway by the tribes people, blah, blah, blah. You didn't need to fucking mm. film it. But yeah. that's the get out of being a horrible fucking prick free card, isn't it? Like, all this stuff was happening anyway. Yeah. So I just did more of it. Cutting a spider monkey's head in half yeah. on film twice, you know. Yes, it's a bummer. But you know what? I read something that was pretty juvenile. I read like a... I love reading IMDb reviews. And I read an IMDb review that said like, Yes, the animal cruelty in this movie is horrible, but is it any worse than a burger at McDonald's? And I was like, yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, it is. But is it? And it did just spark this idea in my head that, again, is this guy just fucking doing it to fuck with us? Is he provoking that kind of conversation? Like I cut off, I cut in half a spider monkey's head and these tribes people ate the brains fresh out the skull because that is a delicacy to them. And I did it in my movie to have it in the movie. Is it provoking people to have that debate of like, oh, that's savage behavior. And then to have some wise guy in the corner smoking a thin cigarette say, is it any different to a burger at McDonald's? You know, is he trying to evoke <laughs> Who's this guy? I want, to do, I want to do a podcast with that guy. <laughs> he's, he's around. He's around. I want to see I what mean, he I, thinks about Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> I mean, this is it. I honestly don't know. I mean... It's, it's uncomfortable, I think, for most people to watch a lot of that animal cruelty, regardless of your lifestyle choices, regarding your consumption of meat, etc., etc. It's difficult to watch that shit. You know, they, they hack open this turtle, taking away the, the, the lower belly exoskeleton part of a turtle shell and showing its insides is surely deeply symbolic of some kind of horrible you know, exposure, just rendering you naked, belly forward, open as you have your guts eaten. You know, it's foreshadowing in a lot of ways. It's 
it's a grim and horrific scene. You know, turtles are ancient and therefore in a lot of cultures worthy of our respect and our reverence. And, and we don't, you know, I say quote unquote, we, a lot of people don't eat turtle, a lot of people do. But we're made to feel deeply uncomfortable by a lot of the animal cruelty. Yeah. Even, you know, you see a lot of snakes die in movies, I think, in this era. People chop snakes in half all the time, chop them into lots of little bits. But you're still just like, oof. You know, there's a lot of that. Do, I think do you think it serves spider, a purpose? The spider gets me more for some reason. Yeah. Because I don't think I've ever seen a spider just chopped in half like <laughs> no. that. Like a big hairy spider just whack, chopped in half. Yeah, just macheted. Yeah. yeah. It's not much fun. Not much fun. But it's not supposed to be fun, is it? No, and I think I think the thing is as well, when you watch the spider get cut in half, it sort of looks fake, but you know it isn't. Yeah, it's too, it's too real. Yeah, so it, yeah. It, again, it's that whole sort of fucked up dichotomy between like what's real and what's not real. What was the question you asked me? Sorry, is it is it necessary? How do you feel about the animal cruelty in the movie? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stand here and defend animal cruelty because you know that's not how I live my life. I'm strongly opposed to all animal cruelty, but in this movie, fucking, I mean, I don't know. I'm just so torn. I think it serves that purpose in that. We, we want to see some reality and, and we want to see some some not quite reality. And you can't show people really being killed and eaten by cannibals. No. So this is how you get the reality. And it's all about mm. putting the reality up against the fiction and seeing what sticks or seeing what happens. or Yeah. Because, because that reality, like we say, it, it because it's real, it looks fake. Yeah. So it makes the stuff in that, context. Yeah, so it makes the stuff that is fake look real. God, that's fucking good. Yeah, I think you're right. So in in the service of 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 that as a filmmaking device, it is necessary. You can't argue with it, but we I, don't like it. But it's a thing that happens in this film, and we're here to talk about it. So yeah. I think you might hit the nail on the head there, bud. I think the stuff that's real exists to confuse us. For the grand finale where the stuff that's fake is meant to be very real and that again that's that's drawing that line i hate how fucked everyone's feet are in this film every time anyone yeah. lifts their feet up they're just covered in blisters that you know are real i think those blisters are real as fuck i low-key love the moment where they cut off that guy's leg and he dies anyway again <laughs> a, a scene of immense brutality that i'd completely forgot yeah he gets bitten by a spy uh, by a snake yeah and instead of like i don't know sucking the you know, doing the Hollywood thing and sucking the venom out and I got you, brother, and carrying him through the swamp or whatever. They just hack his fucking leg off at the thigh and then he dies. I think about how I would feel in that situation as someone who's been like, okay, we've applied a tourniquet to this guy's leg. We've cut yep. it off. We've burnt it with a machete to yep. try and sear it shut. A lot. But he's just dead anyway. So I've done all of this horrible, harrowing stuff and yeah. for, for nothing. Yep. It's it's the, the entire plot of The Mist. <laughs> it's the entire plot of the mist but summed up in one quick minute and then the best part they just bury him in leaves they just pile some leaves on top of him and walk away <laughs> I feel like if I was an indie musician like an American indie musician in like the Shins era mm-hmm. in like 2011 I feel like my album would have been called Bury Me in Leaves Bury Me in Leaves it's too emo for indie it's pretty good you think it's too emo? I'm thinking like, you know, that sort of Rilo Kylie. Yeah, like I the, can see that. I, I figured out it's because the elected, the the, the band that uh, Blake from Rilo Kylie, he's got right. it, his album's called Bury Me in Rings. Ah, uh, there it is. Bury Me in Leaves. What about Leave Me in Berries? Yeah. What about... <laughs> uh, leave, leave Me in Berries. Me Leave 
berries in. <laughs> Perfect. Let's get to work. <laughs> Fuck this podcast. Um, <laughs> the shooting of the pig is a perfect example to me of something that looks too fake to be real. It's a piglet, it's tied to a little stake, and it just gets shot in the fucking head. And it looks, it just falls over sideways. I mean, what, what are you doing if you're getting shot? I'm falling over sideways. I, I imagine you're, you're probably someone that would overact. Of course I you... would. <laughs> you know what? I invented a game when I was a kid, and this was the entire game. One kid got to sit on the wall of my garden with a toy gun of their choice while four or more kids ran at that kid and he shot each of us of them. And you, ha- whoever died in the most spectacular theatrical way got to sit on the wall and shoot the next round of kids. That is the most Sam Russo thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> no, no, like, points or scoring. Just do that until you fucking can't do it anymore. It was amazing. I learned to die young. How's that for an indie album title? Yeah, Learning to Die Young by Sam Russo. Yep. I, I played that for like entire summers. <laughs> it was a great game. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. I have a propensity for the dramatic in that sense. But yeah, they just blap this pig in the noodle and it plops sideways and that's it. Game over. You see that and you're like, what kind of fucking animatronic wizardry is that? And then you find out it's real. It's just a real pig. They just blapped just a it in, real the, pig. in the noodle or whatever it was that you said. I did. I said <laughs> noodle. So, I mean, that for me was the least realistic real thing that happens in the whole movie. I just didn't think shooting a pig in the head would look like that. But now no. I've seen it and I know. And I've seen it in in the context of the abattoir. You yeah. know, my granddad was a foreman in an abattoir for like 30 years. I've seen that shit. But it's for some reason in that movie, God, blimey, horrible. Well, it's because it looks fake and shit. And then yeah. it's immediately followed up by tribespeople, all, all, their, all their faces all burnt off. Yeah. And it, I think it would look fake and shit if you hadn't just seen a pig a not real. explode. Do you <laughs> yes, know what I mean? Like, it does not explode. Like, there's nothing cinematic about that pig getting shot. And there's something very cinematic about the burns on the people. It's the worst kind of movie magic. It really is. Uh, and do you know what? I know we're not like classic movie guys like neither of us have got degrees in you know filmmaking or whatever people get degrees in nowadays but i think you've nailed it dude i think that's a really astute observation that horribly realist real a real death of a real creature is immediately before the mass death of the the fake mass death of other real humans and it sets it up it tees it up that's what this movie seems to be constantly doing to us is getting us ready for, you know, the, the fucked up shit with, with clever switcheroos. Yeah. And yeah, it's immensely uncomfortable. There's no ceremony around killing this pig at all. There's no, like, playing it for a tear-jerking moment. There's nothing tender. There's nothing um, There's nothing that even tries to sort of anthropomorphize or humanize the creature that's being killed. So it's so un-Hollywood in that respect. It's just like, check it out. Bang. Next. Yeah, well, I think, isn't the vibe that, like, they're trying to usher them all into the place? Yes. Yeah. Pretty scary, and also it would be annoying to have to like untie the pig and try yeah. and shoo it into the yeah. Like, it's also like the, narratively dumb. it makes sense, but it's really interesting how badly they kill these tribes people. They round them up in this hut and set it on fire, but they don't even seal the doors. Do you know what I mean? That's how lots of them run away and get away. And we're kind of seeing these people as inept, ineptly cruel, yeah. fucking dicks. Basically, but I think what 
what they're after there in their in their footage is yeah. that they want to show the tribes people running away from their flaming hut with sure. their faces all mangled and horrible. I think that's the the footage that. Um, that's the shot they're trying to get for their documentary. Yeah, because they when they're talking, they're saying that like, oh, it's been set on fire by the tree people, the Yamo Mamos, yeah. although he always calls them the the Yano Mamos, which I don't yeah. know if that's on purpose or whether he's just like whether it's meant to be like he's not, he doesn't even care to name. He gets these that wrong correctly. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whether it's just a, a sort of a fluke. I mean that. So we're at the point now where we're. You know, we're watching this footage because our, our main man, played by Robert Kerman, our, our big boss man, Harold Monroe, professor of anthropology, has retrieved the canisters of film from the trees and taken them back. And yeah. it's after this um, this fake massacre that was not perpetrated by a rival tribe that was set up to be so by our missing, lost, slash dead documentary filmmakers <clears throat> that we get the, po- the classic post-massacre bang scene where two of the filmmakers just fucking go at it in front of all the tribespeople, and it's filmed for no reason. Yeah, well, I think that we're supposed to think that these people are just dicks. Yeah, I think at that point we're fully in on them being dicks. Yeah, is it is it Jack or is it Mark that's filming there? I can't remember. But one of them's also, I think it's Jack, and he's filming earlier on when, when Faye comes in and she's not wearing any clothes as well. Not earlier yeah, on. constantly filming her. Yeah, yeah. And it's just yeah. like juvenile bullshit, which is yeah. like it's it's so weird because like the characters are portrayed as like these really sort of infantile idiots, but mm. they're also horribly calculating rapists. Yeah, the one scene that feels really incongruous to me mm. is is the scene where they rape the native girl. Yeah, I don't understand why they do that. Nor do I, and and not just from a you know why oh why perspective cinematically i don't understand why it happens there there's no like apocalypse now style stripping of your humanity from all the horror that you've seen no. and it leads you to do you know horrific amoral immoral acts there's none of that build up they're just but they're also not like spring break do you know what i mean they're not they're not portrayed as being so lacking principal character and any kind of morality that they would just grab and rape the nearest defenseless human. So it's super weird tonally, I think, because it was probably really hard for them to act. Yeah. It was probably hor- absolutely horrific for everyone involved. It's a fucking grim scene. Yeah. But you're right, it doesn't jive with their... I-, I just took it as another confusing blow to dodge in this movie. I was like, I don't fully understand what's happening. I know that it's horrible. I'm being made to feel really uncomfortable and I'm just going to try and dodge it, get through it, and move on to the next thing. But reflecting on it, yeah, you're right. Tonally, it feels jarring. Like It just feels like everything that they do throughout the movie up until that point, you could explain it as it's in service to the documentary that they're trying to make. Sure. As, as horrible and as fucked up as it all is, like they're, mm. they're making this documentary and they want this very specific footage. Mm. Whereas there's no value in... Like then, they're, they're never going to be able to show the a, a video of them raping a tribesperson. No, it's demented to film it, isn't it? Maybe. Yeah, and that's I guess that's why Faye's all like, screaming about the fact that they're wasting the film, which is you know again horrible. Maybe some maybe that is the point that it serves to to illustrate is that even in the depths of that depravity, the main concern is conserving film, and yeah. not like we're going to get exposed as being horrendous 
rapists, but that we're we're wasting film. I don't know. That's that's rough. Yeah, and I think the the rape is ultimately like the act of what they've been doing the whole time, and it's the physical act of that. It's how you sort of how you personify the way that they've acted and the way that they've treated these tribes people before this. Yeah, but narratively, I don't think it makes a massive amount of sense. No, I did make one note about that scene where one of the lines of dialogue is so when they're showing it, they're showing it back in this uh, you know private screening. It ends. And the professor says he's changing reels, so it it's that's not the end. <laughs> it's, he's changing reels, you know. What I mean? It carries on. We don't get to see the rest of it, thankfully. But that line was really well placed, I think, because you get that moment where you're like, "Oh fuck, it's over." No, he's just changing reels. I, I thought that was pretty amazingly done. Yeah, I think like a lot of that stuff where they're showing the the Green Inferno stuff, or they're leading into the Green Inferno stuff. Yeah, like a lot of the. The back and forth to the to the screening room is a bit like, why are we doing this? Yeah, like I think maybe it wants to remind you that somebody is watching. Yeah, I I mean my guard's down for all that stuff because I'm I feel safe. You know, I'm back in like an environment I recognize, yeah. surrounded by pretty pred- predictable people. So my my thinking was that movement is sort of just keeping you in that sort of hypnotized safe space before blam they just start smashing you to bits in that cinema screening it worked in that yeah. regard it's a total shift in terms of the color palette and the way people are behaving and the clothes they're wearing and everything it's like a real palette cleanser before you get straight back into hell and you know what we skimmed over a horrifically violent scene that i'm going to just say i weirdly enjoyed there's a, a birth scene where one of the yeah. native women is giving birth standing up while she's trussed and the villagers are, you know, heaving the baby out of her. And then they just bite the cord, run off, and throw the newborn baby into some wet mud and just pack it down and walk away. They just, like, lift up a flap of mud, throw the baby under, put the mud back down, and leave. And it's so brutal that it's borderline comical. I just don't have much else to say about it other than that. I laughed. Yeah, no, that's... This, like horribly piercing shrill singular laugh when that happened and then i just curled into a ball like it was awful absolutely awful oh and then they beat the woman to death with rocks by the way well yeah of course yeah nothing in this movie ends without someone being beaten to death with rocks um do you remember that scene is was that in your cut probably not no it was it was in the cut it was maybe they the the surgery by tribe or whatever it is that alan yates describes it as yeah, surgery by society or whatever yeah. it is that he says. But the the throwing it into the mud that wasn't in there. This cut, it's it's an absolute dream. It's indescribable that scene. Uh, to anyone who hasn't seen it, I'm not going to say I recommend it, but it's uh, it was a real high point for me. I mean, that's when these guys really begin to reveal themselves uh, to be the scum that they are. You know, they're referring to the natives as monkeys basically all the time. They're raping them basically all the time we get the completely iconic skewered woman scene uh which i realized i'd seen replicated a million times in all kinds of knockoff merchandise and you know other movies and and you know pieces of iconography that are kind of referencing this movie it is a really arresting scene isn't it yeah i mean it looks so real it looks a hundred percent real to me yeah and like the the scary thing about that to me is that the idea that they 
they punish a victim of rape. Yeah. Like it's 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 so horrible that like I I don't know, like in this in this society, rape is the worst thing you could do that even if you're raped, like it's it's just you can't live anymore because it's just such a horrible thing to have happened. There's there's not much worse in this whole movie than what we're presented with in that scene, in terms of exactly what you just described, the visuals, the characters' reactions to it. That whole disgusting tableau is so hard to watch and such a rough ride yeah. that you you almost I almost forgot it like I almost put it out of my mind it was so hard to deal with yeah there's a moment in that scene where if I could jump into my TV and punch Alan Yates <laughs> in the fucking mouth yeah I absolutely would yeah like the, the, the moment when he's like smiling he's and smiling Jack's, and he says he says like, like careful watch, yeah watch it man you're on camera and he's like oh. yeah watch it Alan I'm shooting is, yeah. the, is the line I wrote it down because I was like this if there was any point, if it wasn't so close to the end, I really think I would have struggled to watch the rest of the movie. Like, I wanted to, I had the exact same urge as you. I, I was so sickened by that guy. I just wanted to kind of turn it off, at least for a little breaky poo, and then come back, maybe. Because yeah. that is just such a disgusting reaction. Yeah. And I think that's, that's again, Diodato is playing with us there. Like, yeah. we want him to die. Yeah. And he fucking does. Like, four minutes later, it's fucking great. Well done. And it is it is him who gets his dick cut off, right? I would say so, yeah. I think so. Because that's that's the best gore effect in the movie for me. They grab his dick, they cut it off, and a little bit of blood squirts out. Just yeah. done really well. Again, like, even I, knowing what I know about this movie and knowing I was going to talk about it on a podcast, was like, fuck, dude, that could have been real. <laughs> they could have cut some guy's dick off. It's not my it's not my favourite someone's dick being cut off scene. This was my Cannibal Holocaust game that I wanted to play with you. What are your favourite <laughs> dick cutting off scenes well, in movies? So it doesn't really get cut off in Antichrist. <laughs> have, have you seen Antichrist? No, I haven't seen many other movies where guys get their dicks cut off. Full I, disclosure. I'm You're the spo- expert. I'm going to spoil Antichrist for you now. Please do. Uh, it's fucking horrible. It's one of the most misogynistic movies ever made. Okay. I fucking I fucking love it. Okay. It's, it's about Willem Dafoe and his wife, Charlotte Gainsbourg, and um, they're having sex and their baby falls out the window and dies. Okay. Um, while they're having this really passionate sex. But she watches it happen, but she's so in the throes of passion that she just can't stop it. God. And then the rest of the movie is like her grieving and then realising that women are actually the predominant evil in the world and women must be destroyed. And at okay. that point, uh, they go to a cabin. They go like to grieve in a cabin. He's like a grief counsellor, Willem Dafoe, or a psychiatrist who deals with grief or something. Okay. And they go to a, they go to a cabin in the woods uh, and she sort of slowly goes insane and then cuts her clitoris off with a massive pair of rusty, rusty scissors Oh, it's that movie. And then and then uh, bashes Willem Dafoe's penis in with a two by four until it's all broken and bloody. And then Ooh. and then jacks him off until he comes blood everywhere. Ooh. Is that your number one? That's that's the one. That's the dream. <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> oh, good grief, Jamie! <sighs> well, now I gotta watch that. Yeah, I mean it's 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 fine that you know it's coming because it's so fucking horrible. Yeah. It's 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 impossible to to imagine. See, that's not one of my big weirdy no nos. Like, I can watch uh, dicks get smashed up without really feeling too weird about it. Um, but this dick being cut off again, yeah. 
it's not it's it it's lacking ceremony to say the least they just whip it off it comes off the way i imagine a dick would come off if it was chopped i'm trying to think about other favorite dicks being cut off scenes so there's a there's a movie called bad biology which is about a guy with a huge insane dick that he injects with steroids every day and a woman somewhere else in the world that has nine clitorises on the inside of her vagina right and and like yeah they're they're like perfectly made for each other right and so they they meet and they have amazing sex and they fall in love but then he's injected his dick with too many steroids that it becomes (laughs) sentient and and like removes itself it's fucking great. It's a Frank Hannelotter film. I would okay. recommend it to everybody. It came out like maybe 2008, 2009, maybe 2010. I think there's a really good dick being ripped off in one of the Toxic Avenger movies, but I can't remember which one. Yeah, I can dimly remember some dick ripping. I mean, dick ripping and dick cutting. Let's just say dick removal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good starter list, considering you had a grand total of three seconds to pull that together. I can't say that i think that's your exhaustive list if you were given some homework i guarantee that could be a a pretty meaty blog post should we say i there's a rumor that in the sex scene with uh, charlotte gainsbourg in antichrist Mm. like you see his dick going inside of charlotte gainsbourg and there's a rumor that they had to use a stunt dick because willem defoe's dick is too big uh uh, yeah that rumor is pretty um pretty widespread right yeah willem defoe is donkey man himself yeah don quixote (laughs) <laughs> Don Quixote, you could yeah. say his big dick is tilted at windmills. <laughs> By the time we get to all this dick talk, uh, we're essentially avoiding the movie's inevitable conclusion, which yes. is in this orgy of violence. The film crew is uh, pretty systematically massacred, and um, I guess do we actually see them being eaten? I can't even remember. We don't see them getting eaten, do we? No, not at all. Which is interesting for a movie that builds up from the very beginning that we're going to see these guys get eaten. Yeah, so like Faye stuff happens in the Uh, distance. She gets gang raped and then beaten to death, which is, again, very hard to watch. Yeah. And then Jack, we see his stuff happen sort of quite far away. Mm -hmm. And then Alan's the last to get it. Yeah. But again, in my notes, I just wrote Alan gets bongoed. I can't remember what happened to him. I was just I was so bongo. checked out on the violence by that point. I think normally in my notes, bongoed means beaten to death over the head, but I can't remember what happened to the guy. It was so fucking hard to watch the end of this movie. You're yeah. just built up to it, built up to it, drained, 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 all the way to this point, and then you're expected to sit and watch this, like you said, probably 10-minute, just brutal rape, murder dick chopping head smashing hyper realistic hot jungle doom scene yeah i think it might be jack that gets his dick cut off i think it might be jack yeah sorry to derail you there but i think it is jack that gets his dick off i think that makes sense what are you what are you feeling as as you you kind of know this movie's coming to an end with this scene you know it's probably not gonna there's not gonna be much beyond this apart from a great final line um and a big message but as these guys are getting fucking shredded in the jungle, how are you feeling in terms of like a resolution to a, a big wonky curve? It's the only way that this film could end. Because mm-hmm. we are throughout the movie I mean that that final line who are the real cannibals? 
I mean, it's not subtle, and this film is not subtle in any no. real way. And like, it's all set up to make you think these guys fucking deserved what they got. Yeah. So there's a there's a sort of release in watching that happen. I mean, it's mm. it's an unpleasant release. Is it giving you what you deserve? Because when I was watching it, I was like, there's this thing in watching horror movies and in, in our consumption of, of this kind of movie in general where you, there's people you want to die. And that's not a particularly cool you know, way to be, is it? Like to want people to die, even in movies, I guess is a little bit fucked. But you know, we want people to die, we want to see them die, and we want it to be exactly in keeping with every all the fucked up shit they've done leading up to this point. Does this movie give us that? but make it so hard to watch that we're kind of punished for wanting them to die. Yeah, absolutely. That is literally what's happening here. Like, Is that yeah. the idea? Yeah. It's like uh. the, the film wants us to hate the film crew so badly that like, yes, this is their comeuppance, but then it's our comeuppance for wanting their comeuppance because we, yeah, it's just horrible. I definitely felt that way. I felt like I was being punished for thinking ill of these people. And, and again, how fucking confusing is that to watch? Yeah. Because our narrative conventions and everything we understand about movie watching is, you know, whether we like it or not, we're kind of bred to think the bad guys will get what's coming to them and the good guys will ride off into the sunset. Fucking nobody's riding off into the sunset in this movie. Well, Monroe is. He's walking off into the New York streets. True. He does end up kind of, you know, sauntering away. But still, you're, you're, I mean, he's the last man standing. He's no perfect angel saint. No, but he does. Not. He does ultimately survive uh, well, he doesn't, the he Green doesn't, Inferno. He doesn't rape anybody. He does not that we that we see. I mean, all he does is, I mean, he's kind of invasive in his rescue mission. I guess he does yeah. munch some human liver, but, yeah, but the, he's, the he's cause like passive. He's like a, he's, a, he's a passenger on that journey, isn't he? Rather he's than a Herzog. Yeah, he's our Werner in this hot jungle. We we don't want anything bad to happen to him really throughout the movie. I don't no. think. I don't no, wish he, he does, for him. He doesn't do anything that make that makes us feel like that. I don't think he makes me pretty uncomfortable for quite a while at the beginning, and I don't know whether to get acquainted with him. I'm thinking like, is this guy our guy? Like he seems kind of, he's not like the leading man type. He doesn't feel like he's going to last in this environment to me at the beginning. So I think that's also another surprise is that at the end he's our walk off into the sunset guy. Films in the seventies had the balls to cast people that were fucking ugly. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I love that. And like, yeah, same. So that's that's. I think we're just ruined by Hollywood. Like this guy looks like a normal guy, therefore he's obviously scum. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's insufferable. <laughs> it's inexcusable that you would cast someone so normal exactly. in this role. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great casting, I think. And you know, we, we, we've sort of put through this ending. We, we suffer it. We get to the end of it. We feel horrible about ourselves. We do get a weirdly sort of like, I feel like it's a piss take tongue in cheek Hollywood ending, like another fuck you. I think it's saying fuck you to the very end, which, you know, if I'm summarizing my feelings about this movie, that's what I respect most about it is that it says fuck you to everything. And that has to be what maketh a cannibal Holocaust fan. I think when you meet real diehard fans of these movies, that's at the core of what they love is fuck you everything. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I'm fucking with you. Fuck you. This is uh, the movie of my dreams. That seems to be the the center, the central attitude. Um, I think there was a period in my like late teens where I might have been that guy. Oh fuck yeah! I think we've all had that phase. 
Mine didn't necessarily align with the movie Cannibal Holocaust, but the spirit was still there. You know, that's what resonated with me about this movie so much was that spirit, that yeah. sort of fiercely independent, you know, willing to offend, happy to show stuff that's absolutely abhorrent to the vast majority of the population, willing to stand trial for murder to make a movie. Yeah. That's pretty fucking valiant, you know. I got yeah. an enormous amount of respect for that. And that's that's where that's where the movie ends. It concludes with with that again, pretty iconic scene, I think. I think that that line is wrong, right? Is it wrong on purpose? Is that what you're thinking? Because like mm. the the line is, "Who are the real savages?" That the, the it should be right. Like it should be rather than cannibals. Yeah, like <laughs> the real cannibals are the people that eat to people. Eat people. <laughs> yeah, dude, you might be right. Oh my god, is it still saying "fuck you" to me? This is the second time I've watched it. Maybe like the probably the second time I've had a proper conversation about it, has it slipped another fuck you by me without me noticing? <laughs> <laughs> you might be right. We know who the real cannibals are, Dickwad. They're the people that eat the other people. Literally. Fuck. Like is Oh that, my god, I think you're right. Is that a fuck you or is that a, it's an, not Italian, an, an Italian <laughs> translation thing? God, I hope it's another fuck you. Because if it is, they got me again. They just keep getting me. The last word of the movie is a... <laughs> because you don't pick up on that shit when you're watching it, do you? You're just, you're just kind of soaking it up. I think you're right. I think it's one last middle finger hoisted, covered in bugs on a half-eaten hand. Yeah, being chomped on by the real cannibals. The real cannibals. The ones who eat people. I mean... There's absolutely no denying this movie is a wild ride from start to finish. It's not for everyone. It's not something that a lot of people would even enjoy. Uh, it's no. definitely not something that a lot of people would call a great film or that a lot of people would even tolerate the existence of. It's been censored. It's been chopped. It's been cut. It's been illegalized. It's been banned. It's it's done it's the rounds. Copied. Yeah, it's been ripped off endlessly. Do you think you could see yourself willingly going to the cinema and watching a, a straight up modern remake of Cannibal Holocaust if it came out next year? Like, no, because it wouldn't have anything new to say. Mm. In the way that sort of speculative sci-fi is talking about the time period and every time period that follows. Mm. Like, the questions that this is asking are as relevant today as they were when they made this. So there'd be nothing new or interesting to say in Cannibal Holocaust 2023. And you'd be dealing with CG piglets yeah. and monkeys. You would. Which I cannot be, tolerate. You'd also be dealing with the weight of, of found footage and, yeah. and, and the and the baggage that that carries. It's almost like a legacy genre now. It's been yeah. hammered to bits. It's so, so weird yeah. because like there was Cannibal Holocaust. There was a few like other cinema verite films before that. There was nothing. And then there was the Blair Witch Project, and it's it's so weird that like this film was so influential, but not mm. not in a found footage way. I think because it was, and I want to give credit to found footage as a you know if we're calling it a genre, it's really hard to nail. Yeah, it was even harder then, and also this movie nearly cost a guy his life, his career, mm. his freedom. So I think a lot of like pretty limp movie makers who were maybe toying with the idea of found footage movies looked at that and were like, no, I want to start a career. <laughs> I don't want to end it. I love Blair Witch Project. I love the second one. And I 
would say I really like the 2016 one as well. And those movies don't exist without Cannibal Holocaust. So, you know, I kind of owe Cannibal Holocaust my enjoyment of those movies and my pretty rabid fandom of the original Blair Witch Project. It's one of my fondest movie-going experiences of my whole Mm. life. One of my fondest rental experiences of my whole life because I'd seen it in the cinema and I wanted to have a big movie night around it. Got a lot out of that movie and it really inspired me in a lot of ways. And yeah, we don't don't get there without Cannibal Holocaust, but you're right, there is a huge gap between. It's a huge leap. And like the the stuff that's happening in Japan, like those those guinea pig movies like Flower of Flesh and Blood and Devil's Experiment, they were playing with found footage because you're meant to think that you're watching snuff. Yeah. The same with like, to a lesser extent, because it's after Blair Witch, but like your August Underground stuff, Mm. which is unpleasant to the nth degree. That's like torture porn without any real nuance. Sure. It's just torture, which to be fair, Flower of Flesh and Blood and Devil's Experiment and some of those guinea pig movies are like that. But but you're meant to feel like how you felt when you were watching those bits of kind of a Holocaust, like, yeah, oh shit, it's it's like I'm watching a real thing. But I know that I'm not watching a real thing, but it feels so real that it's like unpleasant and horrible and I feel creepy and gross. But I know there's a part of me somewhere in there that knows that it's not real and therefore I'm allowed to carry on watching. Yeah. That's exactly what I think it's trying to do. And yeah. that that bled outwards. And a lot of movies were made with that spirit that were complete garbage. But then a lot, I think, were made that were really challenging, quite exciting, and spurred, you know, people's imaginations into bigger and crazier things. Which is weird to weird to say about a movie where a piglet gets shot in the head with a real life gun in real life. Do you yeah. know what I mean? That's that's yeah, a pretty wild was pretty hard going, wasn't it? <laughs> babe two, babe two, babe in the jungle. <laughs> Good luck, buddy. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yes, I mean, yeah, a rough ride, but a, a pretty influential and iconic. You can't talk about challenging movies in the horror genre without talking about Cannibal Holocaust. And there's a certain type of horror movie fan who just lights up like a light bulb when you talk about Cannibal Holocaust, and it's you. <laughs> I sent you a picture of my face at the end of Cannibal Holocaust, and it was not the face that you sent me at the end of Cannibal Holocaust. And that's the beauty of it, I think, is that people get different things from it. People enjoy it on different levels. And it's definitely not the funnest movie that we're going to talk about on this podcast. But it is definitely one that you kind of got to raise your glass to, at least on some level as a fan of the genre, and say, yes. Will you give it up, man? Nobody's out there. We're alone. Oh, no, there's somebody out there. I'm picking up all this crosstalk. So Sam, that was Cannibal Holocaust. How are you? How are you feeling over there? Oof, I'm holding up. That was a rough ride. A harrowing, harrowing movie full of awful, awful things. But you come out the end of it feeling like you've had a bloody good time, weirdly. Especially when, when, when we sit down and have a chat about it. That's always a good time. It's a soothing balm for all of the bite marks and the uh, contusions and the hematoma and all the things that cannibals love to eat. Yeah, it's like a little brain sorbet. It is a little palate cleanser for the brain. You absolutely smashed it there. A little, uh, little pickled ginger for the frontal lobe. So um, tell the good people what they can do to support Final Transmission. Fucking eat me raw. Uh, 
There's a lot of things you can do to support Final Transmission. One of my favorites is tell your friends, tell your friends, family, tell your weird Uncle Larry, tell your buds, tell your colleagues. Um, you can also, while we're just chatting shit right now, why don't you just use that thumb of yours to tap uh, a star rating on whatever you're listening to us on and just write a few words about what you thought of the pod. Be, be a critic. Uh, take us to task if we fucked up or if we suck or just tell us we're amazing. I mean, we we don't get enough of that, so give us a little bit of that. Follow us on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, what else can we do, Jamie? Uh, you can sign up to follow us on Patreon. Yeah, reach into those deep, dirty pockets. Where uh, for just as little as one pound per month or dollar, if you're foreign, you can support the podcast. Get some extra content over there. We've got all kinds of good things coming up. We've got some some written content. We do two new episodes per month there might be some fiction coming up we might do some video stuff in the future loads of loads of cool things happening over on the patreon i could coat hanger my way into your car and steal a pound out the cup holder every day for the rest of your life and you'd never even realize i don't have a car that's a threat (laughs) yeah if you don't i don't have a car (laughs) i'd have to get into your house somehow then okay all All right if that's what it takes you couldn't get in because as Hipster Nosferatu, I wouldn't invite you in and therefore you wouldn't be able to cross the threshold. I have to be invited in with a very high-grade coffee as Hipster Nosferatu <laughs> or a really good IPA or something super hipster. The only yeah. way I'm allowed into a home. Just riding on, on a fixie. <laughs> riding across the sky. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, or a fucking penny farthing or some shit. You ever seen a hipster on a penny farthing? No. Did we see? Oh, I live in Cambridge, so we, I guess that explains why. When we were together the other week, we saw a fucking hipster on a uni unicycle. Yeah, it was. It wasn't yeah. even a uni. It was like, was it like a, a hoverboard but with one wheel? Oh yeah, the electric wheel thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. The one wheel electric skateboard. What a dick. Who's a fucking dumb? Sign up to the Patreon, and we'll send you a one wheel electric skateboard uh, every month for the rest of your life. <laughs> we won't do that. If you buy one, we'll steal it from you every month for the rest of your life deal how many little one wheel electric skateboards can fit in the canal near your home the answer is yours if you sign up to the patreon that makes no sense (laughs) cannibal holocaust has burnt our brains i mean as far as as far as awful movies go this was pretty great and as far as awful people go it's been lovely hanging out with you (laughs) thanks thanks sam you're welcome i'll see you next time on the next episode a final transmission.